three, two, one. Let's, Let's go. go. I'm the host of the PBE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting at Image 2023, where modern technology, modern ideas, new geologic concepts, it's all integrating, it's all here, and it's all for applied geoscience. That's what we're doing here at Image. I'm sitting down with Charlie, sir. Introduce yourself. Charlie Stevens, VP of Sales for Microseismic Inc. VP of Sales. That's it. Nice. Now, did, let's rock it back. Where'd you go to school? Like, where'd you come out of? Where are you from? From New York originally. Really? Went to Notre Dame. Really? And then went into the marine geophysics game, which I did for a number of years, traveling the world, following my boats around and acquiring seismic data. Whoa. And then had a little stint in the IT sales game with Citrix. Citrix, huh? Yeah. So okay. thin client stuff. Okay. And then uh, a buddy of mine uh, knew Peter Duncan, was working for him guy that I had worked with before. Yeah. And so uh, 2009, interviewed with Peter and, you know, liked the idea of the company, where it was going and kind of the nascent customer base. And uh, here I am. Wow. Yeah. Man, so you have a geophysics degree. I do not. Ah. Science background. But, Science background degree? Right. Okay. Out of Notre Dame. That's pretty cool. You don't hear that all the time. Go Irish. There we go. <laughs> I like that, Charlie. Well, cool. So, uh, so once you get once you got involved with Peter Duncan, and you and you kind of saw the vision, you saw the technology. This is two thousand and nine. So, I mean, horizontal drilling and fracking and all those things that kind of what's going on with microseismic. Where's our propping going? Where's the fluid really coming from? That hasn't really broke out yet, right? In two thousand nine. No, it was nothing like that. Basically, what we could offer was uh, if we got good results, and there are some basins that. In those days, we were undersampled, but we could give you an SRV, so stimulated rock volume, which was a gross overestimate of really what you were producing from that well bore. Ah, really, really gross overestimate. Wow. Yeah. And so, what was what was it about Peter Duncan? What was it about the vision? What really got you hooked and said, you know what, I want to be a part of this? What was it? You know, he's a, a charismatic person himself. He had a really good background, strong background. He started with Shell and um, ah. been with some other companies before that. I guess the vision was it was a, a pivotal time in the shale industry that, as you mentioned, the, they were moving from verticals to horizontals. Right. The technology of the day, which was pretty much downhole, has a very limited viewing aperture. So Duncan came up with a way to measure from the surface which means that you can get the entire well bore <clears throat> and you can see the horizontal and vertical spread of the frack. Wow. Uh, which was groundbreaking, earth shattering. Wow. wow. And as a sales guy on a commission, I'm thinking it's not very long before this pops. Yeah. And boy, we were right. Man. Yeah. Man. How exciting was that? So what's the first job that Peter Duncan did? Like, where was it? Do you know? Like, where was the first data coming from? So we did some stuff, I think, up in the Uinta. Okay. Uh, and it, we, yeah, we had a product back in the day which was trying more to look at fluid flow and transfer. Oh, nice. <clears throat> and we soon realized no one wanted that, but they were interested in frack monitoring. <laughs> so we completely redid the business model, and we settled on the P-set that we have today. But some of those early jobs were in some far-off basins. We even had one in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, 
Wow. Yeah. But it was... Man. And we had some good early partners like Anadarko and Chevron that, you know, helped us out because really they were interested themselves. Right. And they liked the idea, the concept. That's, I mean, <clears throat> if you're going to spend $10 million, right, just call it a big, big well... Maybe it's an in, for a disposal well. It's for a deep reservoir that you want to produce. I mean, you're going to spend all this money. And your only view into that reservoir is the borehole itself and maybe the core that you take or some rotary sidewalls or maybe some petrophysical analysis that goes a few feet maybe into the reservoir. Like, that's all you're going to kind of know. Once you get down there, you can put an array go a mile away in all directions and then monitor the seismic what's going on in the reservoir i think that just it just makes intuitive like logical sense right. like yes i want that data what's going on yeah so you wobble. build up a picture of your reservoir over time <clears throat> and micro seismic's a big part of it and you know it's kind of amazing to me that more people don't use it than they do you know, starting off, I guess everybody did, right? They didn't know anything. The only thing that you were probably certain of when you drill a shale well, as opposed to a conventional well, is you're going to, you know, you're going to get hydrocarbons out yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. And so you build up this picture, and now we have uh, most of the operators have you know, moved into what they call carpet bombing or yep. lawnmower mode. Yeah. They've made their decisions on well straight. You know, yeah, it, well, it's a commodity, right? So we're in that, and... And back in the day, we were helping people drill better wells, optimizing production. And I still think there's a lot of that work left to do. It's just, uh, you know, the street has spoken. And so you want drilling and you want recovery and you want profits, then, you know, let's cut out the expenses, cut out science. And that kind of is where we find ourselves today, which is why we're moving on to other areas where we can apply the same technology. So that makes sense. So the, the challenges of 2009 to present were kind of the the energy was changing its kind of economic landscape. They were going from optimized, pinpoint accuracy, make every well count, every inch we, we put into this, every penny we put into this, let's make 10 back, to carpet bombing, kind of like just putting it everywhere, maybe monitoring a few here, few wells here and there. There were some serious challenges as that progresses through through time, I'm sure. You lived through that. Now, com- taking all those challenges and what you learned and now seeing this, what appears to be a long road ahead for geothermal, carbon sequestration, and all these other things, you're seeing this road, you have all this experience. What are the kind of, what are the challenges you're seeing today that need to be addressed with MicroSeismic's 20 years experience? So things really never change. Adoption is very slow. <laughs> and so you have the technology to be adopted and you have yeah. actually the carbon sequestration, you have the geothermal. I mean, it's amazing to me. So just a case in point and how slow this can be. Carbon, everyone seems to agree that there's too much of it and we need to put it away. I mean, it's on every green agenda there is. Right. Convention for carbon sequestration in Des Moines, entrance is blocked by protesters because they don't want pipelines. I mean, so I I get it, maybe they're NIMBYs or whatever, but you have to be able to have some concessions or this stuff is just gonna stay where it is. Right. You have to get it out of where it's produced and into a reservoir where you can get rid of it. 
And that's going to take a pipeline. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of them. Yeah. So it's wow. things like that. So adoption is slow. I think once we get there, um, we have a couple of awards from the DOE on the carbon front nice. to design the optimal array, mostly for Caprock monitoring because, you know, your carbon credits are no good if it escapes, right? Right, so right. This, ensures it stays in place and you can prove it. So we've got this array, once again, it's based on our existing technology. It works really well. Oh, I bet. It's kind of uh, instrument agnostic. You can use fiber, you can use geophones. And so really it's just a question of processing it in either real time or, you know, maybe every month is good enough. And you have that in combination with methane sniffers and carbon sniffers really? on the surface. Nice. But, you know, it's just going to take time. Part of the problem is that you may have heard of this primacy where the states are able to award permits for these class six wells, which are the ones that you put the carbon away. And that's been exceedingly slow. I think there's only six, six of those wells in existence right now after all this talk and bluster. Whoa. So there, you know, that's on the horizon, but you know, we looked at this carbon and thought, you know, boy, this is going to be the year when it picks up. It's not. Wow. And it'll probably be at least another year before there's enough adoption that'll make a difference for us. Wow. Interesting. Wow, that's something to keep tabs on for sure. Yeah. Everyone's wondering about that, you know, what's going on there. How about geothermal? What are your what's your take on the challenges of geothermal? So it's very similar. Uh, if you look at the geysers plant, I think that puts out like 25 megawatts. It's, I think, the biggest uh, geothermal project in the world. It's Where in California. Is it? Oh, really? Yeah. It's been there for years. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Yeah. So it, and, and so it's a, a naturally occurring type of, uh, you know, I think it's a closed loop system. And so you're relying pretty much just on the earth to heat your water right. and make your power. But it's a very limited output. The Biden administration says they want to power 40 million homes with geothermal by 37. Well, if you run the math on that, that's like gigawatts of oh, power. Oh, wow. Not megawatts. So the solution Whoa. to that is to hydraulically stimulate, a.k.a. frack. Right. And so that's kind of where we're waiting right now. We are the world's experts on frack monitoring. That's right. And we can do the very same thing for the enhanced geothermal systems. Right on. Right now there's one company, Fervo, doing a great job in that space. But they're about it. So I, Fervo is an operator that's actually doing uh, modern fracks and, and opening up geothermal systems? Fervo. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they are the leaders in the, in the business. And they realize that the only way we're going to get the output to meet those targets is to frack. Right, yeah, it makes sense, it makes sense. You gotta get a lot more of that fluid going, you gotta get a lot more of the heat exchange going. Like, That's exactly it, and it works really, really well. That's cool. Yeah, it's, so, just, it's, just a, it's just a matter of, I think, people realizing that, and then we just need to keep saying stimulation instead of fracking, and I think everything <laughs> will be fine. <laughs> Terminology is so important. Right? It's so important. What the words we use to explain things, it's amazing. When you talk from technical people to business people to the people at boots on the ground, you gotta change your terminology in order to get effective, you know, the communication across and what they're really needing to do, because you can just lose somebody by using the wrong word. Right. It has this emotional response or it has, you know, this confusion there's confusion with it. So 
communication is so important in what we do. Microseismic Inc. is international. Yes. And it's been like that since day one. You talk about the Saudi kingdom and all that, like back in the day with Peter Duncan and stuff. I mean, it's always been across the seas on all the continents, like wherever you need to listen and you're trying to figure out what's going on, on the subsurface, Microseismic has the ability to be there. Yeah, so we're very opportunistic. And, wow. you know, typically in the frack game, you know, there's like Europe is dead for shale, right? They're not going to be doing that anytime soon. There's some in Australia. Uh, I know China has some, uh, but yeah. once again, I won't say they're awash in it, but there's certainly plenty of conventional hydrocarbons to extract right. in most of these places. The one exception is the Vaca Morta in Argentina. We've been working down there for years. Really? Yeah, you know, and that shale is very important to their economy. Really? But the, the, the great thing for Microseismic as we repurpose our technology is that the world will put away carbon. The world will continue to expand geothermal. Yeah. So these are markets that we can expand into easily. And we've wow. started. I mean, we're already, uh, you know, got some geothermal uh, projects underway. Yeah. And some carbon stuff yeah. internationally. So that's good. And it, can, it will only grow. The story right. is... I mean, it's, it's a bright future for us. Man. This been... needs to hasten along here a little bit. All right. I like it, man. That's what you get to do. Since yeah. 2009, you've been uh, growing with the company and watching where it goes. How about the karsting, uh, the, the last little bit there? What, what do you see the challenges in this karst monitoring and uh, better understanding the karst uh, hazards? So um, I think Gary was saying 20% of the earth is covered in karst, right? So wow. there's a high degree of probability you're going to encounter them. Right. And, you know, traditionally we're trying to protect the aquifer if something happens in a mining situation where, you know, one of their tanks are holding, you know, the water retention areas were to be swallowed up by a karst, yeah. it's very easy to get into the aquifer. So you would think, well, that's a no-brainer. Well, like many other things, you know, it's a business, and uh, adoption is slow. Man. And it, to be frank, I think we're going to need to have more regulatory oversight before you really see karsts uh, come into the fold. So right now, it's very specific instances, and it's global. That's true. But it, it, right now, I think people are just hoping to ignore it in many cases. And, and just hope it'll go away or remediate it, but... Um, you know, it's just human nature. Have you seen? It's human nature. <laughs> what a scary thing. It's a scary, <laughs> scary thing. <laughs> I love it, man. That's so true. But, hey, we're here, and we're still listening. The idea that the governments or the, the regulatory bodies by the state, by the feds, I don't know, can put a lot more seismometers out there, a lot more listening arrays out in, in these areas of new development. Maybe not the old ones. Like I, I have the, the house I live in is on a big cave system in San Antonio. Wow. Yeah. There's no opening. No one's been able to like go into them, but you can see it in geophysics. And this neighborhood's just built right over the top of it. And I'm going, all right, I'm getting out of here. You know, like I'm, I'm looking to move. Uh, just because of that reason. I don't want to live on on that. And I'm sure the developers didn't know that that was, you know, exactly what was going on. But if we have these these ways to monitor in new areas of new development, how much waste can we save in the future if we just invest in that today? If we get seismic monitoring 
devices at higher resolutions across the states. You know, use the United States as a perfect playground for that. Uh, everyone that I would imagine in, in political or the state level, the citizens, like everyone would be in agreement. Let's get a better idea of like where sinkholes could happen, and and let's not develop that. Like. Right? Doesn't that it just makes sense? And you guys have the technology. You have the proven track record of doing that. You're currently doing that, right? You right. have current projects that are monitoring areas that are watching where potential sinkholes are developing. Yeah. So I think the uh, the solution to this is in fiber. It's ubiquitous, and mm. uh, you know, I was just walking down the street with my buddies from Terra 15. And they pointed out where the water main is, right? And then yeah. if you look around, you can see all these other hatches where the utilities and it's, you know, the fibers in there, the telco, uh, electricity. Yeah. yeah. And so, case in point, uh, they are currently monitoring, I think it's 30 miles of water delivery pipes in Perth. And so the fiber can pick up a pinhole leak what? probably five meters away. And so the, the question would be, what's that worth to you, Mr. Water Company, oh. if we can tell you that you've got a pinhole leak right now, and maybe you can schedule your time better to fix it Big before time. it comes a broken water main, which is huge here in Houston. As you notice, you go through the suburbs, there's water flowing everywhere here. Now, obviously, the problem is they don't have enough skilled people to fix it, but the fact that you could know about it in advance, I'm sure that's got to be worth something. Big time. But fiber is everywhere, and you know, for condos that are falling apart in Florida, yeah, to you know, uh, EOR injection in California, where you know they're using steam, and that can express itself through oh, the surface yeah. and immolate people. I mean, you know, there's Whoa. ways to monitor this that you know, fiber will make that a lot easier. And so we, as a company, are committed to taking the fiber data and processing it. And so we right have partners on. to do that as well. Right on. Yeah, but wow. I think that is, fiber is the way to go. Wow. Yep. Man, Charlie, I'm excited, man. I, thank oh, you for sharing too. your time. Thank you for uh, you know just a, uh, being there and addressing these challenges that you see, seeing technologies that you believe in, and like, you know, the, your perspective on that is incredibly valuable. I mean, that's you're definitely going to ride this out with Microseismic Inc., and that's... That's really important for a lot of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping tabs on you. I don't know okay. if you, do you ever write papers? Do you ever, like, get out there and give presentations on these kinds of ideas and sure. your perspective on this? We do it all the time. Maybe not myself. I mean, I do, but uh, we have very smart people who write papers, and we deliver them at conferences like this. Yeah. And cool. so, yeah, and it's just, uh, thank you very much, Troy. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to work here at Microseismic. It's a, a very nice family atmosphere. Nice. We're a small company, but we all pull together to get the result. Man. And it's just been a fantastic experience for me. So I'm I'm very happy to carry on and and uh, yeah, and thank you. Right on. Charlie, thank all you. Right.